Hello and welcome to the Albion Obsessed podcast. We come to you on the back of a 1-1 draw with that lot up the road, which had a fair share of controversy. So let's dive into that straight away. Uh, Chloe, welcome back to the pod. You were at Selhurst. Um, How was your trip there? Yeah, it, it was an experience, so I'll say that. Um, barely saw any of the match because it's just sort of not steep enough. You can barely see over the row in front of you's heads. Um, but, you know, I saw our goal and, yeah, that was good. So. I did appreciate your tweet when you were like, I'm in a bad place. Not mentally. I'm just in Sel- at Selhurst. I thought that was a... Very good. So I appreciated that very much. Um, and Toby, welcome back to the pod, mate. How have you been keeping? Yes, yeah, doing good. Thank you, mate. Um, just just really ticked off, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, it's, I, we always speak about it on here, but football can be in such a bad mood and that feels even more of a loss than any game I can remember um, this season. So, yeah, hopefully we can turn it around. <laughs> Yeah, lots and lots of things to unpick. Uh, just before we get started, guys, um, apologies if my voice is a little croaky today, not feeling 100%, but we'll we'll power on through. So um, let's get started then. I'm going to really, really, really quickly talk about the, uh, the, the starting 11, but more so about the age of the players on the bench, Toby. Um, I've spoken to Chloe about this before, but I'd love to get your views on this. I think the bench that we saw put out at the weekend... I think it was one of the youngest benches we've we've seen perhaps ever that isn't in a cup game. Um, you know, we've seen the two, the two new yards, um, one the lad from Sweden whose name escapes me, and Buonanotte on the bench with Enciso, Sarmiento, Ferguson. Really, really young bench. Um, a really fantastic advert for Brighton and Hove Albion to attract the younger talents. Yeah, I think... Uh, I mean, I, I say it all the time, and it, it could be complete delusion, complete bias... But, you know, I I spend all my time talking about just how good uh, Brighton are as a club, how progressive they are, um, everything they do. Fielding youngsters is just another one of those things. Um, I think that, you know, women's team is really well funded. I think under 23s, under 21s, under 18s, you know, the, the whole system just makes the club an exciting place to be, exciting place to work at and attractive as a player because you're right near the seaside. Um, there's also a lot, just a lot of things about our club that I just think we tick all the right boxes for all the right reasons. Uh, so being that progressive, it just means that we do attract those youngsters that we otherwise wouldn't have, uh, especially in a climate where nowadays, you know, if you want to go and get an established player, you're going to have to spend way too much money. And yeah, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Brighton fan. I say it every time I come on the pod. Yeah, it really is some really fantastic, exciting young prospects on the bench and out on loan as well. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was doing the rounds on the weekend. Ed Turns scored an absolutely delightful goal for Leighton Orient at the weekend. And he's a, a centre-back. So uh, bright times ahead, bright times ahead. Um, but we're not here to talk about uh, Ed Turns at Leighton Orient. We're here to talk about the big one, the uh, rivalry between Brighton and Hove Albion and Crystal Palace. That's right, a rivalry not a derby. Uh, Lots of people having that debate on Twitter. We're not going to have that debate here, I don't think, Um, unless you want to tell me that it's a derby. But uh, Chloe, derby, rivalry, which one? Yeah, it's it's a rivalry. It's not a derby. And it is most certainly not the M23 derby. I throw up a bit in my mouth whenever I hear someone say that. Damn right, damn right. You hear that, Sky Sports? It's not the M23 derby. Uh, um, Toby, derby, rivalry, where do you stand? Straight up rivalry, isn't it? I, th- I think when you look at the history, when you watch the videos, you know, it wasn't my time, but, you know, you grow up and you get told, well, you hate them a lot, and that's that's how it is. Um, nothing to do with location whatsoever. I think, you know, you can't sit here and call like us in Exeter a derby because they're on the south coast or whatever or, or south whatever coast so you know I'm thinking what's the point what's the point in wasting everyone's time with that because it makes it makes other clubs get an impression of us that is completely wrong um you know and it also I think it really diminishes the history behind it and I think it's a great story when you read it 
Yeah, it really is. And I think in the past, Chloe, I think it'd be fair to say that some of our managers haven't really understood that. It was really refreshing from the Zerbi uh, pre-game to talk about his passion for it and how he lives for these type of games. Seemed to really understand the rivalry. Well, I say understand. I mean, he understood that it was a rivalry, which was nice to hear instead of the tired and tested, oh, we're going to treat this like any other game that we had a lot from his predecessor. Yeah, I mean, it's just like he gets it. He knows what it means to us, um, and it was just great to hear. And I just love Deserve. He's he's such a good manager, and he seems like so awesome. I'm just going to say he seems awesome. Yeah, he really does. And we'll talk a bit about his post-match comments that Joel Veltman shared uh, with uh, social media um, a bit later. But uh, Toby, the rivalry, it didn't take too long to get quite spicy in the opening exchanges. Um, arguably, Alexis McAllister, very lucky to stay on the pitch. Um, Palace fans certainly up in arms about this, uh, the, the image that's going around, the still image. Um, Alexis McAllister was given an early booking for a late challenge it was late, studs were up, and it was only a few weeks ago that some Brighton fans were calling for Robertson to be sent off in our FA Cup game against Liverpool for a very similar challenge. Um, where do you stand, Toby? Was Alexis McAllister lucky to still be on the pitch? I, uh, um, It's a tough one because I think you're always going to have a little bit of internal bias. But for me, the still image makes it look horrible. It makes it look definite red. When you actually watch it, I, I, it would be a soft red, I think. And I'm not one, even if it was, I, I think even the Robertson challenge, um, at the time I was thinking, oh, it would be soft. I, I'm not too bothered. Um, so I'm very much of the opinion that I don't like the softness of football, although that's a very old-timey way of putting it. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I think... I, I don't see how it's a red myself if if we're talking like classic football. But if you're talking about this day and age, there's definite case for it being a red, to be fair. Yeah, I think for, for me, it, we, we, we moan a lot about consistency in VAR. And at least on this occasion, we were seeing somewhat consistency because, you know, it, from my perspective, I wouldn't have com- had many complaints if it had been a red. But I can totally see where you're coming from that, you know, the still image always makes it look worse than it does. Um, as I say, late studs up, you're always putting the referee in a position where he could make that call. Um, so that's why I personally believe that Alexis McAllister was a tad lucky to to stay on the pitch. Um, but Chloe, it was a good job he stayed on the pitch because um, he came up with some of our better chances in the in the game. I mean, it was only last weekend that you. You know, you were at the Bournemouth game and you said it was starting to feel like one of those days. Um, did it feel like one of those days after you saw Alexis McAllister have, what, four or five great chances? I mean, I'm just going to reel them off here. Um, March finding Alexis McAllister with an absolute peach of a through ball. but His shot lacked power. It was well saved. Um, Undav had a lovely flick on. Ali Mack shot parried away again. Um, March running across the face of goal. Uh, pulling the ball back from McAllister, who was unmarked from in the middle of the box, deflected behind. Um, and then at the very end in the second half, having a header that was just too close to the goalkeeper. Did it just feel like from those early exchanges, it was just going to be another one of those days? Yeah, I didn't see any of that. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the highlights now, so I've like seen it now but at the time I just I didn't really have much clue what was going on when we were attacking because I just couldn't see up that end of the pitch um but watching it back it we did have a lot of chances and um I think McAllister will probably be quite disappointed that he didn't put any of them away because they were some good chances and I think maybe I think I've seen four and I think two of them he probably should have done better and two of them were like one was a bit awkward um, and one was saved quite well, but there was two that he probably should have done better with. Toby, after the recent goal fests we've seen in, you know, under Roberto De Zerbi, have the last two games almost felt like a bit of a returning to normality a little bit? 
Um, because there's no doubt, you know, under Roberto De Zerbe, we have been absolutely cooking. We've been scoring loads of goals and we've been really, you know, bigging that up on the podcast. Um, but the last two games, we've really quite, we've struggled to find a breakthrough. Um, you know, we've just listed those McAllister chances. Uh, Matoma had a chance as well. Solly March had a chance. Webster had a free header. A lot of chances went begging at the weekend. And ultimately, that's the reason we didn't walk away with three points. But I suppose back to my original point then, Tobe, do you think it's a bit of a return to normality after such a, a strong start? Uh, no, no, I don't actually. I think that normality is what we've seen under De Zerbe because even in this game, even though we didn't have our shooting boots necessarily on, I think there were so many really good ch- chances. I think we, you know, we, we still did technically score two goals. Um, and I think, you know, the only difference of that game was that Palace had the extra oomph because it was a, a, a rivals that they're playing. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really loving Deserby ball at the moment and it's, you know, it's so much, um, more exciting than potable with equal or better results. And I think it, it would be hard to um, to put it past Deserby for normal to be free-flowing, scoring lots of goals when you look at his Sass- Sassuolo record. Um, so, yeah, I think I, personally, I think I think it's just it's just a rivalry. Anything can happen. It's one of those games. Yeah, to be fair, I think form almost goes out the window when it's uh, the game with Brighton and Crystal Palace. Always goes out the window because Palace were in a terrible run of form and we were uh, one of the form teams in the league. Um, You mentioned there, Toby. Well, we did score two because, yes, we did have the ball in the back of the net twice. Um, So 12 minutes in, let's talk about the big talking point from the game. Um, And that is the disallowed goal. I mean, let's First, talk about how good Purvis was. I mean, Chloe, I know you said that you couldn't see much on the ground, but hopefully you've seen the replays now. Purvis, um, you know, he started that move off himself. Um, some fantastic interplay in the box. A lovely little touch, I think it was from Pascal Gross. And Purvis dinks it over the goalkeeper to what he believes to score his first Albion goal. I mean, even before we get on to the, the controversy around it, it was a it was a tidy finish, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really nice finish. Um, and Gross did really well to get in the ball as well. Um, and, yeah, it was a really lovely finish, quite a sort of tight angle, but, yeah, he did well. Now, Chloe, you were you were at the ground. Um, was there any indication, whilst that check was happening, was there any indication uh, of doubt amongst the uh, away support Um because obviously when what you watch it from a TV screen, like perhaps myself and Toby were, we were probably sat there thinking, yeah, he's onside, easy peasy. Uh, what was the sort of the mood in the ground while that, that check was taking place? I don't think anyone was really sure whether it was going to be offside or not, because it's, it's quite sort of, obviously, the angle that we were sort of watching it from, um, it's sort of from behind. So it's quite difficult to tell. Um and I always fear for the worst, to be honest, whenever we score, it's like, is this going to be disallowed? Is this going to be offside? Um, but yeah, I really, or well, I didn't even see the goal go in. I just heard everyone start celebrating and started celebrating. So um, yeah. But. Yeah. And then in comes modern football, football in 2021, where uh, VAR swoops in and disallows the goal. Now, at the time, I remember being completely blindsided by this because I think I was thinking, he's drawn the line on the wrong person. He's, he's drawn the line on the wrong person. And it has since come out um, that, that they have cited human error for the reason behind the goal being disallowed. Uh, they have admitted that the lines were drawn on the wrong player, which was Tompkins instead of the player behind them. Um, and Toby, it was uh, not the only uh, case of VAR controversy across the weekend. We saw in the early kickoff, uh, Chelsea denied a stonewall penalty um, for a handball in the last few minutes there. And in the Brentford Arsenal game as well, Brentford were allowed to have a goal stand, even though a Brentford player was offside because Lee Mason forgot to draw the lines. Now, Toby, we 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 always talk about VAR on the pod. 
But my question to you is, Toby, how is it that every sport that utilizes some form of technology, they do so to enhance the decision making, you know, to help those officials get the right calls in those tight, tight knit situations? We've seen it work at the World Cup. We've seen it work in in football before. Why can't it work in the Premier League? Why are these people with the benefit of replays still getting things wrong? Uh, stubbornness, arrogance, and um, egotistical referees, uh, simply, I think. And I think that it's just so... It's it's even the way it's worded, like oh, you know, it has to be a, a, a clear and obvious error from the referee. It makes them not want to change a decision, or it makes them not want to fiddle with it too much, so it as to not expose a clear and obvious error by a referee. It should instead be this is a, a call it RAT referees assistant tool or something. I don't know. Call it something where the referee can go. Actually, I need to have a little, another little look at that. And the actual on-field referee looks at every time that he has to have another look. Change it so teams get three of those or something. You know, it, it, it just it simply doesn't work um, the way it's currently being implemented in the Prem. I've said it before on the podcast. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it again, but when VAR came out, I was very much for, I was pro-VAR. I was like, well, who cares if we have to wait a little bit longer to celebrate a goal? The correct decision always be made. And, you know, as time went on, I was like, no, give it a chance. They're just settling in, still going, yeah, you know, it's it's teetering on the edge now. But it seems the last two seasons, you know, the last however many times I've spoken to you about it, Tom, it just keeps getting worse and worse. How can how can they not learn from their mistakes week in week out? You know, it's 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 just mind boggling. And um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, completely done with it now. I, I would rather see it scrapped. I would rather see a human error and uh, being able to celebrate a goal. You know, if we, we if we could celebrate that goal, the linesman flag didn't go up. Rightfully so, he was on side. Um, you know, it, it's it's it just sucks the enjoyment out for me. Chloe, where do you where do you stand on VR? Do you think, like Toby, that it's uh, had its day and uh, it needs to, for want of a better word, go away? I mean, it would probably be better if the officials weren't totally useless. Um, but it's just it takes the emotion out of it. I feel like I can't celebrate a goal half the time because I don't know whether it's going to be disallowed, um, and. It's just, I just don't like it. And, you know, you think, oh, they'll take a few minutes, but then they'll come to the right decision. But they're not even coming to the right decision. And they're admitting that they've got it wrong. And how do you draw the line on the wrong player? I don't get how you can do that. Like, how thick must you be? I just, and it just infuriates me because, it, you know, it's one thing when a referee misses something on the pitch. You know, you can sort of, understand that but then if VAR gets it wrong too then I'm just I there are no words I just want it gone to be honest because at least then I could celebrate a goal and you know if they do make errors you know that's that happens but it it feels like it's just worse because they're still making as many errors I feel I think that's the crux of it, isn't it? Because VAR was brought in to prevent those errors from taking place. But as you say, Chloe, it's sucking all the life out of the game, all the enjoyment out of the game, because fans and players are having to like sit and wait to see if the goal that they've just scored actually stands. And as Toby said, it wouldn't be so bad if the right calls were being made, but they're consistently not being made. And... I think I saw on Twitter that they were going to be calling an emergency meeting about how VAR was implemented over the weekend. But that's just not good enough. Someone like Lee Mason is, is we've seen it on the, on the field. Cause I know there's an argument to say, well, you've never refereed a game. You know, you, you don't have perhaps the skill set to judge how difficult that would be. And I totally get that on the field, but we're talking about a system that is in place where people have, should have multiple angles of the same event and they can watch it again and again and again. And if you've only got one angle in a in in a ground, get more. Yeah, if I may, uh, that is that is embarrassing from Selhurst, embarrassing from Palace, 
That's I'm sorry, you cannot implement VAR in a ground that has that angle to tell if something's offside. That is terrible. That is really, really bad. And I, I uh, personally, I think that even Palace are at fault for that because they've not allowed the adjustments to be made to yeah, implement VAR properly. But we saw the same with Liverpool and Wolves, didn't we? Same sort of thing. They couldn't, they couldn't determine with the angle that they had whether it was offside or not. I mean, Haw- Hawkeye's come in. Other than the one error with the uh, Aston Villa, um, I forget who they were playing, but other than that Hawkeye. one error, I've not seen a single Hawkeye go wrong because they set up like 15 cameras aiming at each different spot, all from the right angles, you know. And, it, you know, if a club's coming up to the Premier League from the Championship, they have to make sure their ground is suitable for Hawkeye, not the other way around. It's not, oh, we'll adjust around you. It's their responsibility. So why not with VAR say you have to have a position for 15 different cameras, the same as Hawkeye, so that we can have a proper look at that? Um, We're yeah, talking just... about one of the richest leagues in the world. You know, billions of pounds, dollars get spent on this every single year through the TV and licensing rights. And you're telling me that there's only one poxy angle to see if a goal is onside or not? In the Premier League, in the Championship, I might accept that. But not in the Premier League, not with the amount of money that's kicking around. It's just, it's not acceptable. Um, and I, it frustrates me to no end because me and Chloe were talking about this before we came on air. What if, what if Brighton miss out on Europe by two points? I mean, there is an argument to be had here that there was still a lot of football to be played and we, we should have gone on to win and we didn't. And we'll have that argument in just a little while. But what if Arsenal miss out on the, the league title by two points? Where is the accountability? Who's going to hold up their hands and say, "Yeah, that's my fault," and you know who's without you know who's who's going to lose their job? The issue is they they hold their hands up and say it's our fault as they did after this, but then they don't do anything off the back of it. That's the that's the real issue for me. It's like, what are we going to go and get uh, our points back for that game? Are we going to receive some compensation if we lose out on places? You know, if at the end of the season two points is the difference between six positions, that's a lot of prize money there to be to be won or lost. And I know there's loads more games and we still had our chance to win the match ourselves. But, you know, these decisions do have a really big detrimental effect to clubs, especially like Brighton. We're not Qatari-owned. We're not Saudi-owned. Every bit of money is really, really helpful for us. And it's why we're producing such good players, producing so much Premier League entertainment for the world. It's not just about, oh, my club's been hard done by. It's about the Premier League's being hard done by if you don't have a proper run club like Brighton in the Premier League doing well. Yeah, it's 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 just shocking. And But what makes it even worse for me, I suppose, is I know nothing will really change. Nothing will get done about it because if at the end of the day, as you rightfully pointed out there, the game between Sheffield United and Aston Villa, if Sheffield United can get relegated because of technology being implemented wrong, and nothing changes, then they're not going to really care about, you know, a club not getting Europe. Um, So really disappointing, really disappointing. But there was a lot of football still left to be played. Um, So there is an argument to be said, and I've made that argument as well, that um, it was still in our hands. And it was really important, Chloe, that we we kept our composure and we kept our heads. but thankfully, um, Adam Webster had definitely kept his head on because he had to be alert to make some two really good blocks towards the end of that first half to keep uh, Palace at bay. What did you make of Adam Webster being back in the side? I, he had a bit of a ropey performance a couple of weeks ago, but he seemed back to his best at the weekend. Yeah, I actually saw that. Um, yeah, he made some great blocks. He had a really good game, to be honest. Um, it was good to see him back to his best. Um, and yeah, I think he had a really good game. Um, and I do think him and Dunk is probably our strongest defensive partnership. Although I don't know about Colwell. He is a good player, but he's not ours. So I just feel a bit sort of like, don't want to develop a player for Chelsea. Yeah, I think Colwell is, is, is great because he's naturally left-footed. And I think that definitely does help. But I think when... Webster is on form. He's head and shoulders above Colwell. And as I say, it was really pleasing to see Webdini back to his best um, 
defensively speaking, because I know that, you know, he's often found it quite hard coming back from injuries, shaky with his form, had to go off at halftime um, in the match against Liverpool in the Cup, I believe, uh, had a, an upset stomach. So he, he shared with us on uh, Instagram. Um, but thanks to uh, VAR and thanks to Adam Webster, we went in the half uh, nil-nil. Brighton definitely the better side. Should have been ahead, but for poor finishing and a shocking VR decision, uh, that wasn't to be the case. Um, I don't know what De Zerbi said to the boys at halftime, but they came out like a, a house on fire because Solly March, within the first few minutes, hit the side netting. Um, and it didn't take long for some positive changes to be made, Toby, uh, with young Evan Ferguson returning from that horrible tackle he suffered at the hands of VAR, which incidentally didn't give a red card against Liverpool a few weeks ago, came on for Undav. Uh, Toby, I suppose a, a, a two-parted question here. Firstly, what did you make of Undav's performance? And secondly, uh, how good was it to see Evan back? Yeah, I think it's a it's a real shame for Undav. I think we spoke about it in the uh, in the group chat, um, but we said, uh, you know, he he really is putting the energy in. He really is trying hard. You can see that he's determined, but he almost tries a little bit too hard. And you're doing something that's not your job, mate. And you're coming back and you're trying to defend the ball in midfield. If, if you're a little bit further up, if that chance that McAllister had fell to you, you know, you might have done better with it being a natural striker. Um, I, I think there's still hope. There's still hope in Endav, and, I, and I, I've been spreading that in the in the group chat for a while. I haven't been on here to say it for a while, but there's still a lot of hope in Endav. I think, I, I think he could be it for us. I really think he could be it for us, and I, I he just he has a way about him that I just can't explain. But he, I think he's a tidy striker, and when he starts hitting that form, I think we're going to see how clean his performances are. How like. Um, a poacher's instinct he'll have. I really think his goal against Middlesbrough, perfect example. Just turned, shot it, bottom corner. It was cold. It was so good. Um, I, I think I think we will see that eventually. The problem is for now, as a club, we need to be playing Ferguson because he made the difference. I think he came on, uh, started running around, putting his, put his body around a little bit. Palace defenders got a bit shaky and that's when gaps started opening up. Um, so, you know, as a football club and selfish to, to want my football club to do well over a certain player to do well, uh, I I think, yeah, Ferguson's got to start and Endav's got to come off the bench and try and be an impact. He just really needs to find his feet, I think. Yeah, I mean, first season in uh, English football, a big step up from the Belgian league to the Premier League. Huge. You know, it's it would have been a big step up to go from the Belgian league to the championship. So to go from Belgian league to premier league is, is, is gargantuan. Um, I like his link up play a lot. I think he worked, he works really well when he's playing alongside someone. I thought he worked well with Welbeck uh, the other week um, on his own. I'm still not sold on him as a out and out lone striker. And I think Ferguson, as you say, Toby gives us a better option if, as we only play one up top. Um, so, as you say, hopefully he can find his feet. Hopefully that, you know, now De Zerbi's here and De Zerbi can help do for him what he's done for so many of the other players. And that's transform him into a goal getter because, you know, that's what we've been crying out for for a long time. And, you know, we've said on the pod before, you know, Evan Ferguson, he's a, he's a young lad. Um, we don't want to heap too much pressure on his shoulders at this early age. We want him to develop, uh, you know, nicely and evenly. Um, so we can avoid uh, mistakes of the past, perhaps. Um, but it wasn't long after that change, Chloe, that we did eventually see a goal that was able to stand. Um, and it was made by, once again, that man, Pervese Stupinian, who put in a lovely cross to the back post. And March beats Mitchell to it at the back post. It bounces and he hits it right foot into the roof of the net. Fantastic goal from Solly March. And I'm sure... The away end was absolutely bouncing. Yeah, it was it was pretty special. Um, and it's so nice to see March score, um, especially in that game, because obviously he's a local lad, um, and they're our biggest rivals. And you know, it just it was just so good. And um I sort of that one, it was very obvious that it wasn't offside or anything. So just going mental in the stands, um, 
I've seen a few people getting injured and stuff. Not me, thankfully. Um, some people go a little crazy, but um, it was just so good. And um, yeah, and I thought, That's, this is it. We're going to win now. Um, but, you know, things happen. Yeah, it didn't really work out that way. But it was so nice to see a local lad, as you say, Chloe score. If anyone, if I wanted anyone to score, it was going to be Dunk or Solly um, just for that. I mean, Toby, Solly, March, what a, we, we've spoken about it before. A player absolutely transformed. You know, he went 55 appearances without a goal, which I think was the longest in like a Premier League forward, for, for a, a, the longest in terms of the Premier League forward options. So that's almost two years. And now he's got five goals and two assists in seven league games five goals two assists in seven league games what a transformation toby from the boy from hailsham i have one question where are you at pete where are you at i just want to talk pete i just want to talk <laughs> pete famously uh saying he's not the biggest solly march fan on the podcast at the start of this season so um you know, it, it's just incredible, it, and it, I just love seeing uh, a local a local guy do well, um, Lewis Dunk as well. And it, it's it's something that is so rare in football nowadays to get that amount of loyalty, to get that amount of respect out of a player. You know, you see how Trossard left us like the way he did. Um, you see Casado do the same. Even Basuma was a bit iffy. You know. It, there's just no loyalty, Potter, and obviously all of that ensemble. But you know, it's just great. It's just absolutely great to see, and and he deserves he deserves every bit of this. He, he's such a hard worker. He's filled in probably every position on the pitch now just to try and help us. He, he absolutely deserves this form, and he deserves his attacking role. Show what he can do, and and long may it continue. Yeah. I am here for SM7 season. I'm here for it. Um, I'm just, as we've said, so proud, so happy that a local lad is, you know, kicking on, scoring goals, and he just looks to be in the form of his life. But as Chloe has alluded to, that joy did not last very long, I think, six minutes. Um, what seemed like an easy catch from an Elise free kick um, for Sanchez... Um, was not. He drops the ball and Tompkins headed it in. Um, really unfortunate, Chloe. Robert Sanchez has been, you know, normally very dependable um, from from that sort of, you know, crosses into the box. He's normally, you know, that's his bread and butter being such a tall lad. Um, but on this occasion, his gloves seem to be made of soap. Really disappointing goal to concede. Yeah, it was a bit devastating. Um, and I'm just a bit sorry for him, really. I'm sure he really isn't very happy about it. And, um, you know, he doesn't make that many errors. And sometimes I think maybe we need another keeper just for competition because he's a little bit too certain he's going to start. But, you know, he is a good player and these things happen and unfortunately when a goalkeeper makes an error it generally leads to a goal whereas you know someone does makes an error further up the pitch it doesn't you know like even like the um the free kick was quite a sort of clumsy challenge by Webster I think it was so you know but yeah if, you if, mistakes, if Webster so. doesn't give that away then it's not a free kick and it's not a goal but you know it's just yeah. one of those things I think and that's really important, Chloe, that you know, we recognise that we win, lose and draw as a team um, because that free kick came from Ferguson giving the ball away, Webster puts in a clumsy challenge. Um, you know, So people really get on the Sanchez's back and I thought it was really classy to see the club um, put out on Twitter after the game about like a little R uh, number one and then you can see De Zerbi giving him a hug at the end of the game and then the fans in the state in the stands chanting his name that must be a real big boost for the lad Toby because you know he must feel absolutely distraught knowing that you know that because Palace have been nowhere you know let's let's be honest I mean we've not we haven't mentioned a single Palace chance because there weren't any Palace were abysmal but yet, once again, they, they score and it's so undeserved. But, you know, Big Bob must feel absolutely gutted for that. 
I mean, it happens all the time against Palace. Let's be honest. It's just one of those games where freak stuff can happen and we, we always dominate them. Uh, just about time to find that killer instinct and, and finish it off. But any rivalry, any derby, any game that fans get up for is always going to be anything goes. But in terms of Bobby Sanchez, you know, um, first thing my granddad says was, uh, well, he's made his mistake now. He gets dropped next week, still comes in. Uh, and I think, I think, is that the right mentality to have in modern football? Old, older football, 100%. You know, Paul Robinson makes a mistake for England. He's dropped for the rest of his career. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's it, every time you see a keeper that fails, they get dropped for the rest of their career uh, and very, very rarely make a comeback. And I, I think it's such a negative um, impact on a nation or a club as a whole to have that sort of mentality. Instead, you want to, you know, get behind them. We recognise that Sanchez is still young. We recognise his quality. He's been our number one keeper for I don't even know how long now, like almost two years probably. And I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe even three years, but I'm, I'm thinking he's been so quality and I can't, other than the occasional missed kick or something, I can't remember an absolute howler that he's made. And then I look back through the years, and obviously it's a lot longer of playing time, but Lewis Dunk has made millions of howlers and I still wouldn't drop him for the world. And I think, why this mentality about keepers? Why is it only keepers? No, absolutely. He, he completely unlucky, doesn't deserve to be dropped, still our number one. Big Bobby Sanchez, we're all behind you. 100%, 100%. It's like Chloe said, you know, it's mistakes happen all over the pitch. You know, it's part and parcel of football, but, you know, it's one of the, it's the position that if you make a mistake, nine times out of 10, it's going to lead to a goal. And, no one is going to feel that more than Big Bob does. No one. Um, so, no, 100% behind Big Bob. I wouldn't drop him. I mean, don't get me wrong. Any chance to see Jason Steele in goal, then I'm here for it. But let's save that for the cup games for us, please. But, of course, viewers, listeners, let us know in the comments section below, what do you think? Would you drop Big Bob or, and give Jason Steele a turn? Or are you in Team Big Bob? Let us know down below. Um, I think we're all in Team Big Bob here. But I do agree with what you say, Chloe. I do think he needs some better competition. I think that was Matty Ryan's problem for a, quite a long time. He was almost undroppable because there was no one else that was even remotely good enough to challenge for the gloves. Um, but I don't think goalkeeping, goalkeeper sorry, is a position that the club will look to strengthen anytime soon because they love Jason Steele as that number two because he's not going to kick up a fuss about sitting on the bench for most of the season. Um, but no, a completely undeserved equaliser from Palace who offered absolutely nothing all game. Um, and we couldn't find our shooting boots, which meant the game ended 1-1. So... It was a really frustrating game, Chloe, that in many respects almost feels like a loss. I think when you chalk up the VAR um, controversy going ahead, then conceding such a sloppy goal. Um, I know before the game, you and Aaron were both very much a case of as long as we don't lose. But in hindsight, does it feel a bit harder now that knowing we had gone up and we were robbed of a goal? Yeah, it's it's just a bit annoying. I mean, we play them again soon, so I'm just hoping we win that one. Um, and I just think, right, they basically played for a draw at home. Like, it's one thing to go away and play defensively, but just the way they played was just kind of disgraceful, really. Um, so, yeah, it's just... I don't well, no, and at least we don't have to watch that dross every week. Yeah, I know, no. Can you imagine having to go to Sellers Park and watch that nonsense week in, week out? I mean, I know that Palace are doing this. Palace fans are doing this really weird flex where they're like, "Oh, you haven't beaten us in one thousand four hundred and whatever days." It's like I would take that if it meant we were sitting sixth. <laughs> we're sitting sixth and table, state of the art training ground amazing stadium one of the, the best owner in the country a, a really young exciting manager a really young exciting squad filled with a world cup winner i would take that over your 12th place six points above the relegation zone 
playing games at Selhurst. Yeah, I'd take that. 1,400 <laughs> days, thank you. Don't care. Don't care at all. Um, Toby, that lot from up the road. We just can't seem to get the better of them, can we? No. Uh, I, I think, you know, having been behind enemy lines when I went to uh, Old Trafford with uh, with the Palace fans. <laughs> and um, I was behind enemy lines and um, I cannot believe how obsessed they are over Brighton. Can I just, and, I'm sorry, can I interrupt for the benefit of the audio listeners? The look on Chloe's face is of pure disgust. Continue, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I only did it because it, I didn't know if I could have made it to the, the Amex to watch Ronaldo and I wanted to do it before he left. But I ended up seeing him three times that season. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, and he never scored in any of them, by the way. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they're so obsessed with uh, with Brighton. And I think, you know, every, every now and then you're, you'd, you'd be at the Amex and you hear... Uh, 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 a chant about Palace come out, and it would only be like every now and then, like if someone's looked at their phone, seen they're down one nil, start singing that sort of thing. Um, but I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe every like five minutes they were they were on one about Brighton, and it was like it almost feels like they don't care about where they finish in the league; they only care about us and beating us. And while I enjoy the extra edge that there is to a game against Palace, I by no means, I, I by no means think, oh, this is the be all and end all, because if we finish above them in the league, it's just so much sweeter to me. It's so much sweeter, and I, I, I'm living for the day that we finish in Europe and they get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living for it because that would just be unbelievable. Um, and and even if they did the double over us that season. I'd laugh. I'd laugh at them as they go by. Bye bye. <laughs> it's one of those. Unfortunately, I don't think it'll happen this year because Southampton are awful. Bournemouth haven't got enough in the tank, um, and I just don't think they will go down. But it would be very sweet if they do. And again, I would take that one thousand four hundred and whatever it is days they're gibbering on about. I would take that if it meant we finished fourth or fifth or sixth or even you know anywhere in the top 10 and they finished outside it don't care i just don't care about their club enough to give a toss um but anyway chloe um let's round off then by getting your man of the match please who caught your eye in what you did manage to see of the game um march i think yeah yeah really exciting fantastic going forward Good shout, good shout. Toby, how about you? Uh, I have uh, two candidates. Um, March was obviously my first one. There was just a couple of times he... There's one where he nutmeg the defender, takes it down the byline, puts the ball across. You're thinking if that goes in, that is goal... That's almost puss gas, you know what I mean? It's, a, it's Oh, what, what a dribble that was. Um, shame we didn't capitalise on it. But, you know, that happens. But then my other candidate, I think he's going to win it for me. It's it's Purvis. Um, despite the goal being disallowed, gets the assist for the actual goal. Uh, just he, he just it feels like he's one of those players that plays for the badge, pure passion. And sometimes you get a player that's pure passion but a bit a bit crap. No, Purvis, he's the bee's knees, and he he runs up and down that wing. It just. Oh, I love him. He puts so much energy into the game. There's times where I saw him run up the wing, make a pass and go central. And I'm thinking, bloody hell, that effort is insane. And he still busts another lung, getting back to defend as well. So, yeah, by far for me, uh, it feels like he could be man of the match every week at the moment. But, yeah, he's he's just absolutely top-notch. Yeah, both really, really good shouts. And, big. you know, I think what you just said about Purvis and his energy levels you know, spot on because I think it was in like the 86th minute, 88th minute, something like that. He was bombing on back after going forward. He'd gone on forward. We'd lost the ball and he was bombing on back to get back. He's just, the energy levels are insane. So I'd probably be inclined to give it to Purvis as well because, you know, his head could have dropped after having his first goal for the club disallowed, but it didn't. And he was still in the right place at the right time to deliver that assist. But, you know, March, 
as an attacking threat, he was our probably our most attacking threat. I thought Matoma was really quiet. Um, Ferguson was okay. Undav okay, but March was the real sort of going forward, getting them. He did, as Chloe told me before um, we came on air, to take one of the worst corners that has ever ever happened. But you know, we'll 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 forget about that because um, he scored a goal um, and he was just electric on the day. But no, for me, um, I'm also going to give mine to Purvis, but with a a hearty nod uh, to Solly March for his excellent performance. So then, before we close off the show, let's look ahead to our next game, which is against Fulham, Chloe. Uh, Fulham, to my surprise, and I'm sure many other people's as well, are having a fantastic season. Um, and they're right up there with ourselves and Brentford vying for the you know the top six, um, thanks in part due to Liverpool and Chelsea forgetting how to play football. Um Chloe, are you surprised by what you've seen from Fulham this season? Yeah, I am very surprised. I think I probably had um, on my sort of predicted table quite low down, if not right near the bottom. Um, Yeah, I'm very surprised at how well they've done, to be honest. But um, they've got some good players. And obviously Mitrovic is scoring a lot of goals. and yeah, they just look a good team. They obviously beat us at Fulham um, earlier in the season. Um, it's a massive game, this, I feel, for the sort of fight for Europe. Um, it's a six pointer. And I'm quite nervous, I can't lie, because they, they are going to be tough opposition. But then we seem to do better against tough op- opposition. So maybe that will work in our favour. Yeah, I mean, Toby, I can't see Fulham coming to the Amex and playing out for a draw, similar to what we saw with Bournemouth a few weeks ago and at Palace at Selhurst at the weekend. Um, Fulham, I mean, I'm going to hold my hands up because I, I'm same boat as Chloe. I genuinely thought they'd be there near the bottom, but they've ha- they're having a fantastic season. And it's what I will say really quickly about Brentford as well. It is so refreshing to see teams like Brighton, Brentford and Fulham mixing it up, you know, inside that top 10 and really causing some of the big teams, you know, a bit of a headache. It's been a fantastic season for them. Um, so do you see the game against Fulham at the weekend? How how do you think that's going to be? Do you think it will be, for want of a better phrase, easier than Bournemouth and Palace because they won't just sit back? I don't think any game in the Premier League is easy, um, nor can I say one game is easier than another or even one game is harder than another because you could look at our game against Liverpool and breeze past them. You know, it was easy then. Uh, so, you know, it, it all comes down to um, how it plays on the day because, you know, there's been games that you just absolutely cannot predict in the past. And, yeah... So no game, no game in my mind is easier or harder. But yeah, in regards to Fulham, you know, they're one of those clubs. They're one of, well, one of two clubs, Fulham and Norwich. And I don't think they've played each other in like 10 years, have they? Because they just they go up and down, up and down. Um, so, you know, it's easy to expect them to have been down there. And, and uh, just all credit to them. They're picking up the points that Chelsea and Liverpool are leaving behind. And... Uh, and, and all credit to them, to us, to Brentford, and long may it continue, destroying the top six piece by piece, brick by brick, we'll all build up and and hopefully one day we'll eradicate that myth of a top six. Um uh, you know, Newcastle as well, though it's it's not as it's not as uh as a It's not the fairy tale. Yeah, it's not yeah, I, I don't think so. Um so yeah, I I think um I think it's it, 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 we'll see we'll definitely see a lot more uh, chances for Brighton, um, a lot more uh, gaps to exploit. Personally, I think that this will be a win. I I I know we've had speech, uh, some talks about it, uh, them being a bogey team for us, but personally, I just feel that there's going to be yeah, it's a little it's a little bit um, it's a little bit bogeyish in the prem, I'd say. Uh, but yeah, I, I personally, I just, I just feel that Deserby really going to want to win the next game after the Palace game. Uh, I think he's going to go out and it, he's going to exploit those gaps that they're going to leave. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the last Fulham game we played was under Potter, so 
you know, a completely different style of play to when we last played them. And I think it does, with our new style of play, I do think it counters theirs a little bit. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. No, no football game is easy, but hopefully I believe in this one. Yeah, I mean, you, you do pick up a very good point there because we, we have played Fulham already this season, but it was under Graham Potter and it was a really poor performance. It was the game earlier in the season where we played Trossard as a false nine after Welbeck had been playing really well. I think he was injured. We played a false nine and it just didn't work and Mitrovic uh, was uh, having a, a really good day that day and he really bullied uh, our back line. So let's hope that we don't have a repeat of uh, that on this kind of, and just really quickly, Toby, um, you just reminded me of something that I was I, I meant to say just towards the end of our Palace segment there, and it's the uh, post-match comments made by Joel Veltman saying that Deserby said to them in the changing rooms because he said it felt like a funeral because they were so down and out about the result, but he really picked them up straight away by you know telling them how well they had played and how proud he was of them, and I think you know that's the sort of man management we're going to want to see to get our us in the mood for Fulham because Fulham are riding high at the moment and they are going to come to the Amex and they are going to want to push for a result. And that, in many respects, can play into our hands because, as we've seen before, you know, even under Deserby, those low-block teams uh, that don't initiate the press, which is where we are so good, where we can initiate the press, get that double pivot going, I think, you know, that could play into our hands a little bit. So I'm quietly confident, more so than I was against the likes of Bournemouth at any rate. Um, so let's hope, and I'm sure it will happen, that Deserby will get the boys absolutely fired up for the game against Fulham. And just before we sign off, let's get our scores on the doors. Chloe, what is your score prediction at home against Fulham, please? 2 now. I think this might go down as an Amex classic. I think it's going to be 4-3. I think it's going, to, it's going to be one of those games that gets replayed year after year, you know, leads 3-3, I think, back to um, that sort of game. It's going to be a classic. I remember that leads 3-3 game in our first season of the championship. That was like, remember that? That was that was awesome. Um, I'm going to go with 2-1. I don't think we're going to keep a clean sheet. I think Mitrovic will score. Um but I, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get um, get the win with goals coming from Solly and Undav because why not? Why not? But don't forget, viewers, listeners. It's a hat trick for me. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Don't forget, listeners, to leave us your score predictions down below, and also let us know who you makes your starting eleven against Fulham. Do you think that the, uh, they're going to cause us more problems than the likes of Bournemouth? and Palace or do you think in a, contra- in a strange way that might actually make it a bit easier for us and I am using easier in inverted commas because there is no easy game in the Premier League of course there isn't but uh, hopefully you know what I mean but anyway don't forget to like share and subscribe for more if you haven't done so already thank you to Chloe and Toby for joining me this evening let's hope we get those three points against Fulham and we will see you next time wherever you may be whenever you may be take care